0: I was freaked out like pretty early on like I was trying to radio my friends and like I was just like come on like just but in my head I was like just keep going down and like worst case you'll end up in Fish Creek but you'll be in civilization you can like go to the road like but I was not in the area at all.
1: I'm Rebecca Huntington and you're listening to The Fine Line. Real stories of adventure, risk and rescue in the backcountry of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. This podcast is produced by Backcountry Zero with support from the Community Foundation of Jackson Hole. Backcountry Zero is a project of the Teton County Search and Rescue Foundation. Support this project and Teton County Search and Rescue volunteers by making a donation today. You can donate at www.tetoncountysar.org. You can also support The Fine Line by sharing this podcast with friends and family. After taking a wrong turn on his snowboard in a whiteout, Pierre Bergman ended up stranded and alone in the backcountry. The 26-year-old works at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort, where he skis every day. But even experienced skiers can lose their way in blowing snow. Not knowing if rescuers would come for him, Bergman started hiking back up the mountain through waist-deep snow.
0: I can't remember how the day started, I think it was just snowing all day, and when I had left out of bounds, the wind was getting really bad. When I asked the operator, he told me it was like in the 50s, and then he had saw Gus's 60, you know, the tram operator. My name is Pierre, Pierre Bergman, and I grew up in San Diego. My dad was an avid skier. He's from France. Kind of grew up skiing whenever he could, going to Big Bear, like a weekend or two a year. And skiing in the Alps and stuff like that, and like where he grew up. I started skiing more, like on my own, and then moved out here. I was like a Jerry when I when I first moved out here. I was came out here on a mountain collective trip so not too different than we're seeing now and I came with my brother and we had family out here already or we knew people out here. I was working in Dallas at the time and I basically called the connection we had here and I was like can I crash on your couch if I moved out here and they're like yeah sure for sure come out and I did. I've pretty much been riding every day since I moved out here. Just, that was kind of the goal. I was like, when I move out here, I like really want to commit to snowboarding. It was something I thought I really liked, and then, yeah, haven't stopped, really.
2: Gary and I were neighbors for a couple years, and his dog would come over and like snuggle on the couch all the time. <laughs> My name is Jen Reddy. Um, I moved to Jackson in 2000, and I joined Search and Rescue in 2015. So I was skiing that day and we actually bumped into each other that morning at AV. That's and right.
0: Lap in Saratoga. <laughs> yeah.
2: So we saw each other in the morning and I skied all day and I had also done a lap out to four pines on the last tram, caught the last tram, so it was like the 4 30-ish time frame. And it was absolutely blowing so hard. I mean, you couldn't see anything. It was total whiteout huge gusts of wind out there. It's, it was disorienting, for sure.
0: Part of the reason like, I was really struggling to traverse was the wind. Head on, I had to like one foot, so just when you unstrap your back foot so you can skate, and skating is just pushing to create momentum. I had to one foot from the top of the tram, basically, to gate two. And basically did not want to keep one footing, which is why I made the wrong turn into Granite. So my ski partners were on skis. Uh, there was two of them. When I, um, get to gate 2, I strap on, they're waiting for me, Um, they're the one who opened the gate for me and then they see me strap on, I had told them to to go ahead because they were gonna not struggle on the traverse and I was going to again so I uh, immediately though lose speed and I just start going right because in my head I had to like traverse right I just kept going right and I was like I'm not in the right area but then my mentality was just keep going down I thought I was in Rock Springs I didn't realize I had gone completely on the backside. So I was like, well, keep going down, keep, go far right so you don't end up in m M&M and or anything like that. Where I thought I was, there were, like, <laughs> there were clips to my left, so if I just kept going right, I'd be fine. The, really the dumb part is like, I've, I took my snowboard off and hiked multiple times to keep going down until I got into the drainage. It wasn't until I got into the drainage that I checked my like, physical GPS location. Uh, it had been a couple hours. By the time I got to the bottom of the drainage, it was like five. I just actually looked at this today, my scan at the tram was 230, so I got to the top probably like 240.
2: You hear a lot of chatter from people who are like, how the heck do you end up in granite when you're skiing rock springs? I'm like, it's way easier. Than... Like it it <laughs> happens to people who ski and know that terrain so well. They've been skiing it for 20, 30 years and it still happens. And I'm and not saying just, I do, but. Yeah, but it's it's disorienting in a whiteout up there. and. You're trying to be cautious because in the back of your mind, you're like, you know. I don't want to stand on top of the Jersey Shore. Right. Like, And it's very mellow, benign skiing until it rolls very steeply into a cliff band with a series of very steep, exposed coulars that frequently slide. And a number of deaths, um, as well as major life-changing injuries, have happened in these couloirs. So... We've got signage now, and there's tons of pictures of you are standing above these cliffs. You trend to the right when you don't have good visibility, trying to avoid the Jersey Shore. And nonetheless, you can trend a little too far right and end up in Granite Canyon if you don't have good visibility.
0: Literally, like it's, I could right. see the map of Zero G and M&M, and I was like, just don't end up there. Just keep yeah. going right, and you, there's a shoot, and you're good to go.
2: Yeah, and then the <laughs> next thing you know, you're standing at the bottom of Cardiac Ridge. And you're yep. like, huh. I was like that's not right.
0: (laughs) I was freaked out like pretty early on like I was trying to radio my friends and like I was just like come on like just but in my head I was like just keep going down and like worst case you'll end up in Fish Creek but you'll be in civilization you can like go to the road like (laughs) but I was not in that area at all so I didn't look at my phone and like my GPS until I was like way far down. The closest peak was I think Hunt and when I saw that, I was like, ah, that's not right. <laughs> and that's when I sh- tried to like really orient myself and be like, all right, what direction do you need to start going and like, what drainages do you need to start following? And uh, I just used Google Maps on your phones and that worked really well. And that little dot and that little- The triangle. Yeah, the little <laughs> triangle that it gives you as a radar is super duper accurate. Mm-hmm. I recommend you trust it. I think initially my plan was to just start hiking up towards the tram, I was like, just if, if you just start hiking now, you can probably make it by like early morning, early, early, and you can just. I was thinking about that other um, guy who rescued his buddy. One guy broke his leg, and then his buddy left him there and then hiked up to the tram and got rescued. And I was just kind of thinking of that guy. I was like, all right, I'll just like hike up and I'll just knock on the door and like mess with the, the night creature guy. So my plan was to start hiking and. Early on in in the drainage, I fell into the creek. It was only at like ankle level, the water, but like it just kind of like messed up my plan because I was like not expecting my feet to get wet. And so I was just really scared of getting my feet really cold. So like the walls were really high. So my board was like way above me. I couldn't even reach it. So I just kind of left it and then tried to walk towards uh, lower walls and then finally climb out of there. And then I just kind of found like a little patch of trees and I decided I was going to dig my first pit there and just try maybe start a fire, maybe, you know, see how warm I can get. Just wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but I was like, all right, it's going to, it's going to get cold and you're going to be here tonight. So, but I couldn't start the fires because the only thing I could think of to start a fire was I had like these dry board shorts in my, in my pack, uh, but they were polyester. So it was just melting. The plan was four pines and then jacuzzi. And so I had the board shorts to, to hit the jacuzzi after that was the plan. Didn't really happen. I just like tossed that idea away for a minute. I was like, I'm not gonna try to start a fire right now. Like, if I really think I have to, I'll like maybe try another plan. I just hunkered down in my hole and just started to like rest and get warm. And I don't remember being like that much colder in the pits than I was like physically hiking. So they did help. And then I just, you know, dug to the ground and they told me in rescue class, 32 degrees right to the ground.
2: Yeah. And I think it was five degrees air temperature plus Wind chill factor last or that night, so it was pretty cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So I was just like starting to like not lose feeling, but I was like, oh, they're getting like cold. Like I knew what cold feet were, and I was like, uh, let's see if I can walk to my snowboard, um, and see how I feel. And I was like, see how deep the snow is, like how, like how much of the struggle is it going to be, and it really wasn't, like, or relatively wasn't. And so I was like, all right, let's just pack everything up, start hiking, and if you get tired again, we'll dig another hole. Actually, I didn't have a headlamp. My technique was iPhone uh, and goggle over it. And there was a lot of moonlight at one point, and I didn't have to use my like my headlamp was pretty much useless or my iPhone mm-hmm. lamp was pretty much useless. and then I just kind of turned it to low battery mode and I didn't want to turn it to airplane mode because I had sent the mm-hmm. backcountry SOS text and I was like, all right, let's just keep the service going so that if we do find any like it'll send it. I think I was just really tired. And the thing that, I think every time I build a pit was because I was tired. And I was just like, all right, I just need to rest. And I need to like, in, in a warm spot, because it might've been, it was probably cold. And I was like, all right, I think I need to get warm or like the wind was howling. I was like, just let get in the hole again. And that was, I think my mentality every time. Yeah, in my mind, there was no rescue, right? So I was just like, once we get to the other side of the tram, we can ride down. And then I thought no one would even notice. Like, I thought like most of my friends would just be like, all right, he just went to the hot tub and then went home and fell asleep. Like, very common thing for me to do. Like, I'm not very, I'm not super social. I don't really go out that often. So, you know, they don't really hear from me all that much. Only one person would notice and she did when it was my girlfriend. And I wasn't answering her text. She was like, did he come back from the mountain? And started, answer, started asking them the right questions. I know she started texting and calling friends around like 6.30. 7 p.m.
2: I guess from May's call to 911 and dispatch, uh, our board page came in, and then the team was alerted at 11 o'clock, and I was actually already asleep, and my phone went off, and I was like, "Wow, we're going out right now! Like this has to be serious." And the board page just said that we were going to have a 6 a.m call out, um, we have to be at the hangar, and it's for a a lost skier. And in my mind, that goes one of two ways. We either have somebody who accidentally went into granite, or we have somebody who's had, you know, it's a fatality, most likely. They are face down a tree well, hit a tree, something along those lines. So in my mind, I was kind of preparing myself for one of those two events. And then at 6 a.m. showing up at the search and rescue hangar, on our whiteboard, um, which outlines the, the plan for how we're gonna conduct the rescue. I saw Pierre's name and I was like, I know this guy, I was giving him a high five yesterday morning, like super stoked to be skiing, like our first real storm cycle of the season this year. And I had my fingers crossed that he had just taken the wrong turn into granite.
0: No, I <laughs> <Yeah. did. laughs> Pit two and three, I spent the least amount of time, I'd say probably like an hour and a half, or to two hours in in each of those pits. Pit two was the uh, the shortest. It was really just like a breather because it was super early in the night, and I <laughs> didn't. I knew I didn't want to like sleep. I didn't want to sleep in the hole at you know in two, for that long period of time, and I still had energy, so I was just like really just resting and hoping like time would go by, and I was staying warm and just boredom again. In my mind, I'd be like, all right, I hope it's. This time, and then I'd look at my watch, and then it was always a little later than I was hoping, and that was really positive. I was like, "All right, cool. It's not mid- It's not midnight. It's 2 a.m. Like, all right, that's we're closer to sunrise, and I'll be able to see or you know find some service." It was kind of like what I was just praying for. Between pit two and three, I hiked like another hour and a half, two hours. I think that was like my-, my average hiking time was an hour and a half and two. Pit three. Basically waited, I can't remember when I started the pit, probably like 4 a.m., like 4.30. And I just remember when I was like dug that pit, I dug it really big, really, like, as long as I could. Because I was like, I want to stay here until sunrise. Because that way I'll have, like, energy, sun will come out, hopefully it'll be warm. That one, too, I just got it so bored. I was like, all right. Because I remember, you just remember, like, working at the resort, like, what time the sun rises. So you're like, all right, 7.30. Is when the sun will be out, so I was just like got so bored. I was like, by 6: 30, we'll, we'll get out of this thing and start hiking again. And sure enough, 630, I just like I looked at my watch. It was like 6:15. I was like, perfect. We're, we'll start anyways. just started hiking again. The sun poked out and then you hear the heli- I heard the helicopter and that that was like the best best feeling. But confused, like I still didn't realize rescue was looking for me. Like seriously, like I just, I didn't know if it was part of like their morning routine. Like I had no clue. I just, I saw them and I just started like waving my board. I was just like, I hope you guys just see this dude in the snow and that he should not be here at this time of day. Like I I, I didn't know, like I had a really terrible idea of what time it was too. But I, I see the helicopter come around me. They're kind it looks like they're pointing at me. I was like, okay, that looks like they've seen me. Like that's cool. Like hopefully they'll alert some people. But then the helicopter goes away, I don't see them, so I start hiking some more, I'm just like, alright. But then and then I saw the group of skiers, and I still didn't realize it was rescue, because they weren't wearing like red coats, and I was, I even thought that they were like a group of like out of bounds skiers. I was just like, what are they doing here this time? That's weird. But then I thought, I saw Doc throw the bomb, and I was like, alright, that's for sure rescue, and I should probably go follow them.
2: We had a team um, that dispatched into the field that was led by Chris Harder who's a Jenny Lake climbing ranger who was going to take a group of us into Granite Canyon which is technically Grand Teton National Park which would fall under their um, operations. Prior to that we had another team fly in the helicopter to do some recon trying to spot anything that we could and the highest probability area was going to be in the drainage either going down from Targhee Woods and Cardiac Ridge area or into the backside of Sleep by like bird brain area. Um, And that's what they flew over first and spotted you, but there wasn't an area that they could land and there was a lot of swirling gusting winds that made it very difficult to be able to land in that area. So they let IC know that they had spotted Pierre, gave us a coordinate of where to go to as the ground team. And then we came up with a plan that we were going to ski him to the bottom of Granite Canyon to a known LZ area that would be safe for the helicopter to land in. I think we caught like a 7, 7.30 tram, got to the top, got organized, picked up Doc um, from Ski Patrol, who took three or four charges with him to do avalanche control work I believe it was considerable that day. Um, we skied down Targhee Woods, got to the keyhole, and that was our main concern was the slope descending from the keyhole into um, kind of that boulder field on the backside of Ten Sleep. Um So we threw a bunch of charges out there, didn't get any results, um, skied down, and we were able to yell across to the next subridge that Pierre was hiking up, tried to get his attention and had him ride to us, and we fed him and gave him warm, dry mittens and then started the the trek out to the bottom <laughs> of Granite.
0: I was surprised and it was also just like the best feeling. Like just <laughs> it's like seeing familiar faces like li- like neighbors and locker mates, Doc is uh, like my locker mate at the resort. So just seeing like familiar faces is was really good and felt really nice and then they were very comforting and Brownie was just probably the best way to say hello. Just that morning, uh, waiting in line, I Figured I was probably not going to eat much that day because it's a powder day and just the friends and the way we ride. We just like to get every lap, uh, as many laps as we can. Um, so I sneaked into 6311 and got a breakfast bagel and then ate it in the Tewanot line and then had it up and that's pretty much all I had all day. And then I had a little uh, tea in my thermos. And I'd only picked up that thermos because I'd, I someone had put it out on the bridge or gondola cause I had left it somewhere apparently when I was probably putting away my emergency blanket after the third pit, saw that I had this little thermos of tea and I was like, oh, this is a perfect time. I'm pretty sure, I'm sure I had thought about it you know, throughout the night but I thought the morning was perfect. You know, like sunlight, like it won't be as cold in your hands, whatever. Like some Earl Grey. So I just popped it open Drank like half of it. It was old, like it was like two, three days old. You know, f- from one of my mornings, I had like probably well forgotten. Steeped. Yeah, had, well steeped. I had forgotten it in I uh, <laughs> I'd forgotten it in a lift shack, like the best iced tea I've ever had, hands down for sure. Mm-hmm. And then we just started traversing north. You would yeah, say a
2: little, a little n- north- northeast. Okay, mm-hmm.
0: just mo- traversing, and then I I was just struggling traversing, and then they gave me snowshoes, and then I was doing fine on my snowshoes. I think you or Lisa stuffed Mm -hmm. some uh, heat packs packs, yeah, in my Mm -hmm. vest, and then a cookie after the brownie. Mm
2: -hmm. There might have been a Snickers bar in there, too. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Our, Our biggest concern, once we knew that you were on the move and that you were okay, and physically Physic- weren't right. injured. Was, um, he's going to be hungry. He's going to be, yeah, hypothermic. So we were going to give him as many calories as quickly as possible. <coughs> yeah. Um, trying to...
0: It was a trail mix.
2: Trail mix. That's what it was. <laughs>
0: okay. they um, <laughs> kept trying to take my snowboard. I was like, I got it. I can carry it.
2: Yeah. We're like, you don't need to. There's plenty of us to carry your snowboard. <laughs> so we brought snowshoes um, with us knowing that we were going to have to do some traversing. traversing. And um, we were trying to avoid any avalanche paths um, or slopes that might be suspect to sliding so one of the rangers who was with us was also on a split board so we were kind of hoping that he could uh guide us skiers to the the path of least resistance for snowboarders um we did okay there was a few times that you take your board off to hike out it was Um, fine. yeah but at that point i'm sure you're just
0: like exactly
2: (laughs) can't wait to get to the creek in the helicopter.
0: Yeah, I had food <laughs> in my pockets, I had people around me. I was I didn't care how far we were traversing.
1: Yeah. We, you had we, the
2: great. You you had a great we attitude. We could have done
0: the we could have done the whole granite traverse. I was like, I'm I don't care.
2: <laughs> you had a great attitude. It was it was definitely good to find you in good spirits.
0: Yeah. My friends have gotten a lot of flack for not reporting it earlier, um, I, I hold no gripes about it. The biggest thing is like communication, just waiting, just patience. That's something we're not the best at and something we're definitely going to get better at. Make sure we have like meeting points and then express what where the next one is and what like the timetable to reach that point. It's like, all right, it's over there. You should be there in 30 seconds kind of deal. Um, and we'll wait for you and we'll wait for the next group. Because my friends had waited for me at the uh, the start of the Green River hike, so like they were waiting and being like, "All right, we sh- he should have been here at this point." You know, maybe if we had a meeting point a little a little a little sooner between you know gate two and the Green River hike, they might have like realized something sooner. I have a radio, a BCA radio, and I just bought another one that I can always just give to whoever my backcountry partner is, because it's not always the same one individual. Um And the other thing is to start a fire real easy, so uh, I got a couple good tips from mm-hmm. ski patrollers in the locker room lately um so I just put lint um dryer lint in a plastic bag and then I have uh fire sticks that I put in my backcountry bag.
2: Fire starter is essential yeah, it doesn't take up much room no, exactly mm-hmm. so it definitely can can make a, a miserable night less miserable
0: yeah i could have I would have probably stayed in the drainage mm-hmm. if you know had that been the case and You heard what I have in my pack. Would you add anything to it?
2: I think having like those chemical heat warmers, like the little heat packs. Okay. You had that emergency tarp. Uh Uh-huh, I have um, another one. Which is awesome. You know, food, water.
0: Yep, I put those in my pack now. And fire starter. I I have super duper covered now.
2: Yeah, (laughs) the only other thing that like, it's kind of a luxury item, but like one of those little goal zero sticks that you can remotely charge your phone.
0: I have that, um, like a power pack. Yeah. The time I was sca- most scared was when I fell in the creek because that was just something I was not expecting, and that's a game changer. Right, exactly. The wet feet thing I was just like not expecting, so I was like, "Oh, this is not ideal." I had like an extra pair of like liners for my hands, but the feet I was just I was not expecting. So, the reason I'm like not I have like hold no grabs against my friends is because I think like two days into that storm cycle, like two days prior, like right in the middle of the storm cycle. We were waiting for friends at the Four Pines, and I was just like, I had told my friends like, let's just, let's just go, let's leave him, and we'll, we'll figure it out later. And my friends being like, no, we'll just wait for him now. And like, me feeling guilty, like, being like, yeah, dude, don't leave your friend in the backcountry. And then that happening, you know, like two days later to me, and being like, I, I get it, like, we're, we've all been there, and we're all impatient, we're all trying to like just get the next lap. I was the guy who wanted to leave my the whole group, so. And I've been that guy before, so, 100%.
2: You know, I've been there. I've definitely been the the 20-something-year-old ski bum who's just angsting and jonesing for that next lap and frustrated that somebody's not keeping up or waiting and waiting for the snowboarder. (laughs)
0: 100%. (laughs) But,
2: you know, sometimes with with age and wisdom, (laughs) you get a little bit more patient and, yeah, I mean, we still, my group of friends who, um, like I, I, I rely on, I ski with them all the time, that uh, we still have to be like, hey, you know, we're, we're leapfrogging this couloir. We're, we're not leaving anyone essentially alone on this slope. So even if they just lose a shoe and Dixie has ski halfway down a couloir, like one of us is at least there to help them. Right. And that's something that we're still working on. And I got 20 years on you.
0: It just makes us all take a step back and be yeah. like, Yo, let's it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. There's going to be, there's way more ski days left in the season and in your life. And yeah, yeah let's, let's make sure we can enjoy all those.
1: This podcast is produced by Backcountry Zero, a vision of the Teton County Search and Rescue Foundation to reduce fatalities and serious injuries in the Tetons. Find out more at backcountryzero.com.